Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. In 49 other states, football is just a game. But this is Wisconsin. The Green Bay Packers have won the Super Bowl. Wisconsin fans demand the best, the best analysis, the best interviews, the best coverage, and no one delivers like the Bill Michaels Huddle. Good Thursday night to you and uh, welcome to the Huddle. I'm Bill Michaels. We are glad you are on board with us tonight. It's always brought to you by our good friends uh, at Bud Light Seltzer. Unquestionably good, brewed with a unique five-step filtration process that ensures a cleaner finish and no lingering aftertaste, only 100 calories. Joining us tonight, uh, we got our good buddy Mike Clemens along for the ride, our Green and Gold Insider. Michael, how you doing? Hi, Bill. How are you, man? I am doing well tonight. We're going to get into a lot of things, including injuries and who may or may not be coming back soon. But uh, that leads us to Doug Russell, who is back for a second appearance this year. Doug, how you been, buddy? I'm great, Bill. Thanks so much for having me back. I think this has been like a decade since I've done a show, a live show with Mikey Clemens. So I'm pretty psyched about it. Boy, it's uh, reunions well, each and every time you come on. I know, right? Yes, <laughs> right. And, and of course, I had to go back to court three or four times after that. But we can't talk about that. <laughs> Uh, let's get hey, that, into this, guys. Ex- Go ahead. That expired, Mike. That uh, restraining order expired, oh, okay. my friend. All right. Beginning of the I year, yeah. A, I got to get a new lawyer. Much <laughs> like a lot of insurances, Mike, it had a pandemic uh, qualifier in there, and nobody saw it coming. So that, <laughs> yeah. that's what happened. Yeah. Yeah. The last two time or the last time these two teams met, forty three thirty four, the Packers came away with an impressive victory. The Pack comes into this meeting at five and one, and the Vikings at one and five. But some of the injuries, Mike, uh, David Bakhtiari did practice today, which is good news. You did see Alan Lazard and Christian Kirksey out there still waiting on Aaron Jones. But do you think uh, they get the left tackle back for this contest? Boy, I don't know, because um, I think they felt pretty good about how Billy Turner did a left tackle against the Texans. The other thing is um, this is a different defensive front than you faced week one. Uh, Daniil Hunter, their best pass rusher, was still out after the you know, what Mike Zimmer called, he had tweaked his neck. Well, it turns out he had a herniated disc and they had to shut him down for the year and he's going to have some serious surgery. Uh, Unique and Gakway, they'd made the trade for him. Um, first, I think they, I thought they did that because so they would just have this double threat, but later it turned out it was because of total need. When they end up getting, losing tight games to the Titans, to the Seahawks and dropping other games, losing that opener to Green Bay, Suddenly find themselves one and five. They trade in Gakway and get a third round and a conditional fifth round the following year. And that was a week ago today. And it's essentially, it's like, well, are the Vikings just waving the white flag on this? And I, 
I find it an interesting decision from a standpoint of, look, if we get these games on TV, we get 60% of our revenue. Um, there's no way we're getting to a Super Bowl with injuries to season-ending injuries to our linebacker, Anthony Barr. We've got these young corners, which are, all by, all by the way, they're also limited in practice, and this is coming off their bye. You know, I wonder if Ziggy Wolf is just like, you know, we'll wait till next year. Who wants to win a Super Bowl with no fans in the stands? And right. so I think I think they're already looking to next year because there's, there's no sense that Mike Zimmer is necessarily on the hot seat right now. Yeah, Doug, he signed a contract extension this offseason, and uh, this might have been, if you want to call it a soft rebuild or reset, if you will. I think the only thing they're regretting right now is maybe the uh, bigger money to Kirk Cousins. But, uh, look, I, I had, uh, you know, the guys on from the score earlier today up in uh, the score north, and they said they're hoping that they tank the rest of the season and walk away with Trevor Lawrence, who could then guide this team for the next decade or so. And I think Trevor Lawrence is a terrific guy and a terrific quarterback. But is there anything that you see coming out of this Vikings organization that could still end up upsetting the Green Bay Packers team? Well, you know, they say any given Sunday, right? I mean, that is something that, you know, if all the stars align and the Packers have a miserable game, anything can happen. So I would never discount in the NFL any team, you know, just automatically beating any other team. But it's, it's a good point of what you say about Kirk Cousins. I mean, all that money that they gave him, I'm not sure what they were thinking when they, I mean, it was such a small sample size uh, in Washington for Cousins and, and he hasn't really proven anything. And they gave him just stupid money. I, I kind of liken it a little bit to the, the stupid money that Matthew Stafford has gotten in Detroit. Now Stafford's a very good quarterback, but he also has exactly as many playoff wins as you and me combined. Um, so, and, and putting all of your hopes on one guy, putting all of your hopes on Trevor Lawrence, I, and I think he's a great quarterback, but there have been other great quarterbacks that have come out of college that have been the number one pick that have been absolute duds. Jamarcus Russell is probably the most famous of them, but there have been, you know, just one franchise after another, after another, that's been littered with bad quarterbacks that have been drafted highly in the first round. So it's a bit of a gamble to just assume that Trevor Lawrence is going to be your heaven sent team savior, but it looks like that's what they're going to play for, especially if the buzz about trading Adam Thielen is correct. I mean, this is a team that does in Minnesota that still does have some talent. I mean, Dalvin cook is still there. I know Anthony Barr is injured right now, but Anthony Barr is still a very good linebacker in the NFL. So I, I, I think that, what you're seeing, I mean, they're one in five right now. There's no way that they're even going to the playoffs, much less going to the Super Bowl. So at this point, you don't want to just tank and tell everybody that, you know, you're just going to be a speed bump on the way to an easy victory. But if you're realistic, again, you're not pissing off your fans too badly because there are no fans in the stands right now. So if you're going to have a lousy, terrible, awful, rotten season, this is probably the one to have in Minnesota. So, Mike, uh, going back to Mike Zimmer and signing that contract extension in the offseason, um, look, do you think they have regrets? For, I mean, Mike Zimmer was supposed to put him over the top, and he took him deep, but he didn't get him there. And then they made the change, and they bring in Kirk Cousins, and that hasn't worked out. And he was supposed to be this defensive genius, and they did have a very good defense for a while, and then it started to erode, and then injuries hit. Meanwhile, you got this young gun in Matt LaFleur who's 8-0 in the division. Do you think they're regretting the Mike Zimmer decision? Everybody we talked to, from Aaron Rodgers to Matt LaFleur, but even like the position coaches I was talking to last night, they talk about Mike Zimmer's teams come prepared. They disguise their defenses extremely, extremely well. 
And that goes back to games that you and I covered in Cincinnati when he was with the Bengals. But on the surface, it's why can't he find a way to run the offense and be consistent with it? And even though he's got practically a, a Super Bowl legend, if you will, in Gary Kubiak, which goes all the way back to the Mike Shanahan days and the West Coast and you know the, the Broncos with those two Super Bowl wins with Elway in the 90s, and then the traces all the way back to Bill Walsh and the 49ers and everything. The fact is, he's had guys that have left and tried to go on and be either become head coaches or go to other you know positions, and Kubiak ain't cutting it. And they can't seem to find a way to get Kirk Cousins in a comfort zone. They pretty much had Stephon Diggs as kind of a head case and let him go to you know the Buffalo Bills. But that's really probably the biggest uh, mar against uh, Mike Zimmer as to why he can't put out a better, more consistent uh, product on the field offensively because they just spent all that money on Delvin Cook. Do you think they have enough weapons for uh, for Kirk Cousins, who's having his worst season so far, Doug, as a uh, as a Minnesota Vikings? Do you think that they've got enough weapons for him, and he's just he's just regressed that much? I think he's regressed that much because you want to have a, a top shelf wide receiver and a top shelf running back. And, you know, I think Adam Thielen's a nice player. I wouldn't put him in that upper echelon right now, but he's got one of, at least going into the season, one of the best running backs in the NFL and Dalvin cook. This is a team that, I mean, this year they're rotten last year. They were in second place. They were a wild card team. They got, you know, a playoff win. They were, uh, you know, they lost to San Francisco in the divisional game, but it's not like they've been rotten for so long. I mean, a couple of years ago in 2017, they were 13 and three for crying out loud and got to the NFC championship game. So I, I think that this is a team that, uh, you know, they're, they're at a crossroads right now. They're not good enough to be elite. And that's why they're dangling Thielen out there right now. But again, there's still guys that have talent on this team. So, um, you know, you give all that money to Mike Zimmer. And again, I don't think he's a terrible coach. I just think that they've been saddled with a couple of injuries this season. Some breaks haven't gone their way. And right now they're looking at one and five. They're looking at the trading deadline, which is coming up on Tuesday. And they're saying, you know, let's look at the rest of this division right now, because it looks as though Detroit is on the upswing right now. The, I don't know if the bears are for real. I don't, I don't think they are. I think that they've been kind of uh, a bit of a mirage uh, through the first six weeks of the season. I think we certainly saw some of that on Monday night, but the Packers are still the Packers. So you assess what you've got when you have those opportunities, when you have those benchmarks during the season, the trading deadline is one of those benchmarks. And at one in five, I think that they're kind of looking at themselves and saying maybe they just don't have what they thought they had, and maybe it's time to regroup a little bit. We're going to go ahead and take a quick break. When we come back, I want to talk about something that could possibly cost the Green Bay Packers this weekend. Two words, and I'll tell you what they are when we come back to see if the guys agree. Mike Clemens alongside Doug Russell. I'm Bill Michaels. It's a Bill Michaels huddle brought to you by our good friends at Bud Light Seltzer. Unquestionably good. Go to BudLight.com. We've got more right after this. Everywhere in Wisconsin, the Bill Michaels Sports Talk Network. When I think about even my time there in Green Bay, I just felt like we should have walked away out of there with at least two championships, no doubt about it. I just feel like, you know, there were some moves that, that you know, probably could have been made throughout those seasons to you know, go out and bring another, you know, impact player in, and it didn't happen. Those are the words of Charles Woodson. 
believing they should have had at least two championships in Green Bay. Welcome back. It's Bill Michaels Huddle brought to you by Bud Light Seltzer, unquestionably good. Mike Clemens alongside, and so is Doug Russell. And, Doug, I'll start with you. Uh, those are the comments that had a lot of people talking today that uh, Charles Woodson fir- firmly believes that they should have had two championships and they should have traded for Marshawn Lynch. And uh, I somewhat disagree only for the fact that they wanted A.J. Hawk in that deal, and that was A.J. Hawk's best season. And remember, they lost six linebackers along the way because of injury. And A.J. was like like the only guy that was healthy, and you had a healthy Clay Matthews, but you needed defensively those guys. Would they have had another championship had they traded for Marshawn Lynch? I don't know if that would have been specifically the single move to make. And I know that Marshawn Lynch and Aaron Rodgers have a relationship from their days at Cal, and it would have made Aaron feel really good, and I think it would have made the fan base feel good from the standpoint that it – would have showed that Ted Thompson was at least trying at the time and he wasn't playing for three years down the road. That was always my biggest complaint. My, always, my, my biggest, uh, uh, you know, complaints, maybe not the right word, but it, it's certainly um, a missed opportunity, I think, for uh, Ted Thompson. And, and that will probably be the stain on, at least for me, his general manager stewardship of the Packers because he just wasn't very aggressive. There were some missed opportunities there. I don't know. Again, we go back to the Marshawn Lynch move specifically. I I don't know if that's the exact move that would have been uh, the one that put the Packers over the top. But uh, if I have a criticism of Ted, it's that, yeah, I don't think he was very aggressive. And I think that he was always looking two or three years down the road as opposed to what was right in front of him. Mike, uh, do you think that Brian Gutekunst sits uh, there today thinking about some of the missed opportunities that maybe Ted Thompson did not pull the trigger on and is more diligently looking for help for Aaron Rodgers right now? I think it's the way he went after Jordan Love. You know, I mean, those are his lessons learned. you got to have a backup quarterback because uh, uh, Ted did not address that also during the Aaron Rodgers era on getting a, a solid backup after Matt Flynn moved on. To me, uh, for Woodson and why he didn't get a second ring, uh, if I remember correctly, uh, the offense got even better in 2011. They lost a game to the Chiefs, and they lost a a first-round one-and-done to the Giants, who went on and won a Super Bowl again. And it was because of your defense, particularly your secondary. And you were running short on linebackers. And I think that those are actually some of the positions that would have helped. But definitely, you know, if you'd had that kind of a, a, a run game that Beast Mode would have offered back then instead of going to Seattle, and that's a guy that ended up beating you later in the playoffs. And, Doug, that's an excellent point, too. Great recall on the fact of Rodgers' time with Marshawn Lynch at Cal. Um, who knows? That certainly would not have hurt uh, because there's an awful lot of – with every good pick and then these crazy undrafted players like a Tremont Williams – that uh, ended up becoming great football players for you. There was an awful lot of meh kinds of, you know, draft picks that the Packers had that they waited around two, three years and never developed, and that's why they couldn't close the door and get back to the Super Bowl. Uh, Doug, I'll ask you, do you think Brian Gutekunst makes a move before dra- uh, before the trade deadline? 
I, at least I think that he's active and I think that he's engaged. We've heard the rumors that he's engaged in talks with the Houston Texans for Will Fuller. I, I don't know if that's the move that puts the Packers over the top. I guess it depends on what the asking price is. I mean, Will Fuller is an okay player, but he's not a difference maker. Um, but he's a healthy body, and that's one of the things the Packers have desperately needed at the wide receiver position this season. Uh, Devontae Adams has had two incredible games. He's also missed a few games as well. Um, we're still waiting to see if MVS can get off the milk carton and actually be productive as an NFL player on a consistent basis. Equinemi is St. Brown. They say that he's going to be more active in the passing game moving forward. Great. Show me, don't tell me. We've been hearing this for three years now. So I, it's, it's a situation with the Packers that, that there's an opportunity here, right? There's an opportunity because I think that in their division, they're the best team. I thought it might have been the Bears a week ago, but I'm you look at all of the games that the Bears have won this season. They've all been by single digits. They've all been really, really close games that have gone their way. And I think that they were exposed a little bit on Monday night at Los Angeles against the Rams. So the Packers are in a really good position right now with the way that the NFC is set up that, yeah, if you can add a player here or there and it doesn't cost you that much and it doesn't cost you this season, in other words, a potential draft pick or two down the road, at least he's engaged in the process. So if he doesn't pull off a trade for Will Fuller, I'm not going to uh, you know, complain too loudly about it. I think that they should make a move. I think that he will make a move, but I think he's at least trying to make a move. And for after you know all the shell shock years of Ted Thompson, absolutely ignoring anything other than the draft, I'll take that from Brian Gutekunst. At least, you know, again, phone calls are being made and the phone is being answered at 1265. Uh, I guess, and I understand what you're saying, um, but Mike, I'll say this. Being active, talking to people, that's great. It reminds me of when the Brewers offered CeCe Sabathia $100 million when he was going to get $150 million from, from the, the Yankees. It's great to be active, but if you're not really going to go out there and get somebody, it, it's, it's just it's posturing more than anything to me. And, and you keep waiting for this team to push the chips to the middle of the table to say, we've got to go for it. We've already started the clock ticking on our own guys. So, what, you got three, four-year window tops? At what point do you say we've got enough team, we only need a piece or two to go for it? Offensively, if I'm Goody, I'm so pleased with what Matt LaFleur and Nathaniel Hackett and running back coach Ben Sermons and Adam Stenovich, your offensive line coach, have done with this offense to improve in year two, that your players in general that were here last year understand this offense better. Matter of fact, Hackett just said this about an hour ago in a press conference that we had. And, you know, it's, it's almost like math. You know, you remember taking math class and the first several times it's like, oh, God, I, you can't remember this, these formulas. It's just too complicated. And then once you actually understand the, the formulas and you have it memorized and, you know, for a football player, you understand the system, you know all the routes, you know where your landmarks are, you understand how this is going to react to whatever coverage they're showing you. You know where the ball is coming to you, high, low, back, shoulder, all that. You no longer have these wide eyes, and you're now actually having fun out there because you're not thinking. And because that, everything you do happens faster. Your offense happens faster. You, you click. You're clicking. You get into a rhythm. The problem is this now. You're th in mid-August, we were thinking there was a couple of things that were probably going to be different and improved over last year, and now we are closing in on November, and they haven't. And it's Marquez Valdez-Scantling. With all this talent, all this height, 
and he's over four against the Texans, a beat up football team. And that's where you need the help. Devontae goes down. Lazard, you know, is wonderful in how he stepped up. And you're, you know, you're stealing these guys. You're getting them off the street. They're undrafted players. Darius Shepard, he's an average player. You know, he's not gonna, he's not the next uh, Randall Cobb. He's just, he's just not. Malik Taylor, amazing story. Uh, he and he could be the next James Jones with several more games under his belt. But that's where it's glaring. You say, okay. I got to get my coach some help somehow. We tried with Devin Funches. He opted out. But yeah, we gotta we gotta get a guy that's been in the NFL for three or four years and could pick up this offense in the next three to four weeks and be a weapon because we don't want to get to December and January and not be able to get to the next level because we came up short at wide receiver. The only thing, Doug, that I can see being inhibited on this team is if a team is able to figure out how to not necessarily stop but contain Devontae Adams and say, go beat us with everybody else. Now, we've seen this team win games without Devontae, but in the postseason where defenses are better, we saw what Tampa Bay did. So that, to me, is the only way you're going to really knock this team off if you've got a secondary capable of at least either doubling or taking Devontae out of this game or out of a game almost one-on-one. So do you feel the necessity to get that wide receiver? Or do, if defense wins you championships, do you go get another defender? Well, J.J. Watt's name has been thrown out there, right? Matt Schneiden from The Athletic has been pushing that one for a few days. Um, I, I think that that would be a good fit, and it would be great for PR, and number 99 in green and gold be flying off the shelves of the Packers Pro Shop. That having been said, what's the biggest need for this Packers team at the deadline? Uh, you know, Mike went through the, the litany of wide receivers that unless, you know, Devontae's in the game and healthy and Alan Lazard is in the game and healthy, that, that's really all they've got because, again, MVS has been so unbelievably inconsistent. Um, Malik Taylor, Darius Shepard, they're okay. St. Brown, again, we're still waiting for, and, and that's about it. I mean, the, the Packers aren't that uh, deep at wide receiver, and that's really still where this team's bread and butter is. Aaron Jones has to be healthy as well. There's so many just little nagging injuries that you can afford to get away with if you're playing a rancid team like the Houston Texans. You can afford to not have Aaron Jones in the game or David Bakhtiari in the game or Alan Lazard in the game, guys that they were missing this past Sunday. But if you have an opportunity to improve your football team, and again, the point was made earlier, that they've already started the, the clock ticking on their own guys. They've already started the clock. T- you look at the, the first two players that they drafted uh, in the draft this past year, Jordan Love, a third-string quarterback right now behind future Hall of Famer Aaron Rodgers. And A.J. Dillon in the second round, I think he's going to be a good player eventually. But Aaron Jones led the NFL in touchdowns last year. Those were your two best offensive players last year, Aaron Rodgers and Aaron Jones. So as long as you've already started the clock ticking on these guys that are already proven commodities in the NFL, I think it does behoove Brian Gutekunst to not leave any stone unturned to try to give Aaron Rodgers a little bit more help offensively. If there's an opportunity to bring in defense, great. But I think the bigger uh, need, getting back to your question, is, in my opinion, on offense. Have the uh, defenders turned the corner? Well, I'll tell you what we're talking about when we come back. The Bill Michael Settle is brought to you by our friends at Bud Light Seltzer. Unquestionably good. And don't forget a Bud Light. They've got four different flavors, cranberry, grapefruit, pineapple, strawberry as well. Again, go to BudLight.com. Mike Clemens, Doug Russell, I'm Bill Michaels. Is the defense turning the corner? We'll talk about it next on the Bill Michaels Huddle. Wisconsin-wide, the Bill Michaels Sports Talk Network. 
They had Seattle. They lost to them by one point, and in my opinion, should have won the game. Same with the Tennessee Titans. They lost to them by one point. Those are two teams that have lost one game apiece. So if you don't get ready to play each and every week in this league, you're going to get whipped. There you go. Those are the words of Matt LaFleur talking about the Vikings' schedule so far. One thing about this game that, uh, that that bothers me is, and what I said going into the last break, was there's two words that I think that could possibly derail this Packers team, and I, people are using it quite frequently this week, is trap game because you've got a quick turnaround. You've, you're, you're looking ahead to the game that is supposed to be the litmus test by which you are going to either be judged and or redeem yourself from that Tampa Bay game, and that's San Francisco on Thursday night. So, Mike, I'll start with you this time. This game, I don't think the Packers are overlooking the Minnesota Vikings, a divisional rival. But coming in at 1-5 and five and you being at 5-1, and one, you know, and knowing that San Francisco's on the docket and who's going to be playing, what injured player is going to be saved for the San Francisco game versus this game, you know, it's, it's one of those things that you got to put into the psyche a little bit, right? You know, LaFleur was asked this today about, wow, gee, you got that 49ers game next week. That's a big game. You know, are you taking a peek at that? Of course, he laughed at it. He's like, we have one game to play. That's Sunday at noon against the Minnesota Vikings, and there'll be no other discussion of any other football games until then. But we all know, uh, around about 6 or 7 o'clock Saturday night, if not early Saturday morning, they're going to start looking at San Francisco. <laughs> you know? Right. And, and they'll be paying attention to what San Francisco does on the late game on Sunday afternoon when they've got to go up to Seattle and play the Seahawks, I mean, that's going to be a battle royale in the division. So, really, you know, it's the four-hour flight out there for Green Bay. But, I, you know, I'd rather be playing the Vikings at home in 40-mile-an-hour win on Sunday than probably being the 49ers and, you know, a bloodbath against uh, Pete Carroll and those Seahawks in your division. Doug, uh, I, I don't look at this game just because it's the, the rival is a trap game, but I think there is some juggling going on when it comes to the use of certain players that may be injured. Could a guy like, say, Aaron Jones come back in this game? But you don't want these guys banged up coming off of injury and then trying to recuperate on a quick turnaround. So that might play into the decision as to whether or not you play guys in this game, correct? Absolutely, and I think it should, and I think that's proper, and that's why they have coaches and scouts that do that that don't get into the psyche of the players about those things. I mean, Matt LaFleur is 8-0 and in the NFC North, as we were talking about earlier, Bill, for a reason. I mean, he knows how important these games are. Uh, he's imparted that upon his team. The record reflects that. Uh, San Francisco could be a very, very difficult game for them. I think that's the folly of Thursday night football. I've, I, look, I love football as much as the next guy, but when you're asking these guys to uh, play a game on Sunday and then just three days later fly two time zones away and try to play in prime time, you have to be thinking about, you mentioned one of them, Aaron Jones uh, is probably someone who should be held out of Sunday's game against Minnesota. David Bakhtiari, especially with the job that Billy Turner did over at left tackle this past week against Houston, you've got to really, uh, and by the way, Houston, their record is lousy and the defense is atrocious, but the one thing that they do well and have done well the entire season, Sunday's game notwithstanding, is get to the quarterback. Um, and Billy Turner, I thought, did a really, really nice job on the offensive line on Sunday. So maybe you think about David Bakhtiari and maybe saving some powder on him for the Thursday night game against San Francisco as well. Absolutely, you have to think about that game coming up. I, I don't necessarily think that it comes at the expense of the Minnesota game per se because Minnesota is down and it looks like they're, I, I don't like the word tanking, but it, 
it doesn't appear as though they're putting their best foot forward right now. We'll put it that way as they try to, uh, you know, position themselves for Trevor Lawrence, as we were talking about earlier. But does it play a part in the way that the Packers are going to use their personnel this coming Sunday against Minnesota? Absolutely. And it should. It's a good point, Doug, too, because the Texans, too. I mean, they had Merciless out there, J.J. Watt. That touchdown pass from Aaron Rodgers to Robert Tunyon. And, by the way, that's how he's pronouncing his last yes. name now. Tunyon. Correct. Tunyon. Did you guys see that? Yeah. yeah. I did. Think of Funyon, yeah. <laughs> Bobby Tunyon, Robert Tunyon. Anyway, I mean, what a beautiful play. I mean, it looked like J.J. Watt was going to kill Aaron Rodgers. And it all, instead, Rodgers knew he was coming, knew where the pressure was coming off from the right-hand side and made a perfect little teardrop pass that dropped into Tunyon for a touchdown, kind of like a screen. I mean, that's the kind of that's what Aaron Rodgers brings to the table. But I think he only got hit. You're right, Doug. Like one sack, he got hit a couple of times. But um, that makeshift offensive line did a pretty darn good job on the road in Houston. Now that we've got uh, Ngakwe gone, like you had mentioned, Mike, Barr, Hunter, both done for the remainder of the season, this defensive front is nowhere near as lethal as they once were. So, I mean, look, anything can happen, I agree, but I don't have the same amount, uh, same level of worry as I did maybe coming into the beginning of the season. So when you analyzed Billy Turner and you looked at the film, I looked at the film and I, Billy Turner – he kept the pocket. He didn't get bull rushed. He didn't get pushed around. There was maybe once where he really was kind of, you know, diving and hanging on to his guy. But when you look at this film, guys, and, and again, I'll go back to Mike real quick. Did you see anything that would tell you that Billy Turner could not be a left tackle? And the reason I ask is because looking at all the speculation was, well, you know, now does that put, you know, the worst thing that could have happened to David Bakhtiari in his career with the Green Bay Packers is the fact that his career, his contract is coming up, and they found somebody else that can take his space. Mm-hmm. Do you think that's true? I think they're thinking about it. I think they're looking at it. And I asked Adam Stenovich a couple of weeks ago, the offensive line coach. To me, um, you know, I, to me, I thought the plan was uh, let Belaga go. Oh, by the way, he's now missed a couple of games with the Chargers with back injuries. That would have happened here probably in Green Bay. And so it was just continue with Billy Turner at right guard and then bring in this Rick, Rick Wagner guy, eight years, to hold on right tackle. And with these younger guys, you've got some backup, and away you go. But Wagner seemed to be slow to pick up the offense, had an elbow injury in camp. Um, and so then Billy has to take all these snaps at right tackle. Lane Taylor wins the job. Lane goes down in that game against these Vikings on that uh, synthetic turf. You know, trying to zip outside, gets his knee all turned around. And so Lucas Patrick has to go up. And so at the end of the day, I'm thinking, wow, look at, you know, because of all this. And and Billy Turner had some injuries at the start of the season as well. Um, it, it wasn't this the blueprint is that Turner would be a guard. And Stanovich said, I thought he should have been playing tackle last year. He's more of a natural tackle than he is a guard. And the guys who break down the All-22 film said, you know, he's he's fine in, um, uh, in in as a run blocker at guard. He was not good. He just, for some reason, was not very good at the pass protection at right guard, much better at outside there at tackle. And I found that to be really interesting. So his coach, his position coach, thinks he's a tackle, not a guard. And so they need to bring up more of these backups at guards and get him on the outside. Doug, uh, the last time these two teams met, Devontae Adams, 17 targets, 14 catches, 156 yards. 
Um, you've got rookies back there trying to defend this guy, and they're a little more experienced now, but he's also healthy. He's feeling good, and he's coming off of a really big game. Is there any stopping – because the only way I see the Vikings beating the Packers is if they're able to stop Devontae Adams. Is there any stopping Devontae Adams? Yeah, I don't think it's going to be Cameron Dantzler who's going to do it. I don't think it's going to be Holton Hill that's that's going to be holding down Devontae Adams at this point. You don't? You don't? <laughs> 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 I'm going to go out on a limb with those guys. Yeah. Um, look, I, Devontae Adams, when he's healthy, is an elite wide receiver in the NFL. The problem, that, and the only thing that's kept the Packers' offense back is that they haven't had healthy bodies and productive bodies around him. We've already talked ad nauseum about the, the Packers' porous wide receiving core right now when Alan Lazard isn't able to, to play uh, and, and be healthy um, because of all the other guys that just haven't stepped up, MVS being the most... Uh, I guess, egregious of those players. But, yeah, Devontae Adams certainly had the, the Vikings number, and he's also hot after that uh, record-setting game that he had against the te- uh, Texans this past Sunday. Uh, if you've got Devontae Adams in your fantasy league, I suggest you start him uh, coming up on Sunday. That would be my we're advice. Gonna, we're going to go ahead and talk about the possibility of a first and how shocking it is that it would be a first when we come back. Stay tuned. It's the Bill Michael Settle. Mike Clemens alongside Doug Russell here as well. It's brought to you by our friends at Bud Light Seltzer. Only 100 calories. Go to BudLight.com. We'll be back right after this. You're listening to the Bill Michaels Sports Talk Network. got a defensive end and then subsequently traded him uh, last week. Uh, there's some more young guys playing in the secondary. Um, obviously, Anthony's out with an injury. So there's been some changes for sure. But, you know, every time you play a Mike Zimmer team, you got to be ready for uh, everything. He's a phenomenal coach. I was telling a friend of mine, you know, to, to see him mentioned being on the hot seat to me is absolutely crazy. Uh, I think he's one of the best coaches in the league and has been for a long time. They don't all give you the trouble and the scheme that, that Mike does. I have a lot of respect for the way that he coaches and, and the way he especially coaches defense. Those are the words of Aaron Rodgers getting ready for the game against the Minnesota Vikings. This coming weekend, this Sunday, it's a noon kickoff at Lambeau Field. No fans in the stands, by the way. Mike Clemens joining us. Doug Russell here as well. We're brought to you by Bud Light Seltzer. Unquestionably go to five-step filtration process that ensures a cleaner finish and no lingering aftertaste. Pass me one of them Bud Light Seltzers, would you? There you go. I will throw Uh, one over to you, yeah. Could use one right now, as a matter of fact. I'm having a moment over here. You know why? (laughs) Why is that? Well, we're talking about offensive line, and during the break, I was looking at, you know, this depth chart I've got on the Vikings, and, you know, Eric Kendricks, and, uh, you know, they've still got some pretty strong linebackers over there. You know who backs up Eric Kendricks? Hardy Nickerson Jr. You guys remember Hardy Nickerson? Yep. Oh, yeah, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Yeah, he played for your boy Sam Weish, right, Bill? You know, down there after you left Cincinnati, and Tony Dungy. I mean, he he was a great linebacker, but... You know, Mike Sherman brought him in, I think, like 2002. It was, I think he was about 47 at that point. <laughs> but, you know, it's just, my God, I'm covering guys' sons now. Oh, my gosh. Oh, yeah, that'll, uh, that'll make you feel a little old. Uh, without a doubt. Hey, speaking of defense, Mike uh, and Doug, let me start with you, Doug. Do you think the defense, the linebackers, Preston Smith had a good game? Do you think they're starting to turn the corner? Man, you hope so, because we've been asking for this for a long time. The linebacking core for the the, the first quarter poll of the season, even though the Packers were 4-0, and 
I mean, what was the narrative? It was, well, I guess Blake Martinez wasn't the problem for the Packers. I mean, I'd heard that over and over and over again. So you kind of start to hope that they are starting to turn that corner. But the defense, especially the first couple of weeks of the season, I mean, they weren't very good, especially in crunch time. So you hope that guys like, you know, I I still want to see something from Rashawn Gary more consistently. We'd all like to see Zedaria Smith's sack numbers and Preston Smith's sack numbers go up. But I think that they're getting the job done. They're doing what they have to do to to win football games. Now, granted, you know, when you go up against the Houston Texans, they're not going to put up much of a fight. And I don't know what kind of a fight that the Vikings are going to put up. And if you look at what the test of this Packers team is going to be, you're really looking at Thursday night. So maybe we'll have a better gauge a week from after a week of from tonight's game as to how much of a corner that they've turned. But you know, you look at the Packers' schedule so far this season, they haven't exactly beaten a lot of world beaters so far, although I do think that Detroit, as I mentioned earlier in the show, I think that Detroit is a little bit better than what we've seen in past years. But, um, you know, they haven't, they haven't been spectacular, but they've been good enough. Mike, do you think they've turned the corner? Well, I'll tell you what. I know that they feel good about certain positions, like linebacker. Now, Christian Kirksey, he goes down with the pack. He's, he's running around on the field this week. Maybe he's back in a couple of weeks or so. But then in that opener against the Vikings, here comes this Chris Barnes, number 51 out of nowhere, leads the team in tackles all over the field. Now, he had to leave the game again against the Texans with his shoulder now that keeps on getting kind of jacked up. It was a play that was down in the red zone. But then they got Kamal Martin, the fifth-round pick, who really looked great in camp. Oh, my gosh, he was even more physical than Chris Barnes. In, like, his 20 snaps he got toward the end of that Texans game, they are excited about Kamal Martin and what he did in camp and what he did at the end of this Texans game. So they're breathing a sigh of relief. They feel an awful lot better, and they'll get Kirko back. I'll tell you who's on the outside looking in right now is Ty Summers. He had some snaps, and it almost looked like Deshaun Watson, after a couple of plays, was going after him. As a matter of fact, they scored a touchdown, threw a ball you know, behind him, over him, uh, when they got into the red zone. But all in all, I, I know they feel better about that position. On the defensive line, you had Kenny Clark out all those weeks with the groin injury. Now he's back in business. Uh, Tyler Lancaster, they're high on him, the smart kid out of Northwestern. He was limited in participation today. He's been dealing with a shoulder injury. Montravius Adams seems to be coming along. Dean Lowry seems to be just a guy. for The guy that replaced Mike Daniels and got that contract at the start of training camp last year in 2019, you'd like to see a little bit more out of him. But now they add this Billy Wynn kid. Or, or He's not a kid. He's 31 years old. And this is so interesting, Bill and Doug, because this again shows uh, this Matt LaFleur coaching staff, they've been all over the league. They've got all kinds of connections, and there's somehow, some way, you know Mike Pettin, you live down the street from Kenny Clark's mom, uh, you know Christian Kirksey from the time you were in, in, in Cleveland, and this Billy Wynn, who's now going to line up a defensive line, this guy's been through a battery of injuries and talked today about trying to find a job when he didn't think he'd ever get back in the NFL. Uh, just from the job standpoint, you know, I just I'd, I'd put some feelers out there. You know, I started to look into see, at UCLA to see what, you know, they had available. Uh, University of California, Riverside, I know they had an assistant athletic director job that had opened up. So I was kind of starting to look into that a little bit. Um, I was a communications degree major, but I was kind of wanting to stick with sports, but I didn't want to coach. So I was going to try to put that degree to use and, you know, go, go that route. 
And then from the horrible year standpoint from football, you know, it was 2016. I had the back issues all year, had the epidurals, you know, played the season, had the surgery, done with that. 17, you know, that was really my a really bad year for me. That was my ACL, MCL meniscus. Um, and all these injuries all happened in preseason. So, you know, it's, it's preseason. It's always tough just because you, you, you try, you know, you work so hard and, you know, these things just kind of creep up on you. And it, I mean, it's, this is the only occupation where you have a 100%, you know, injury rate, like at some point in your career, you're going to get hurt. And for me, you know, it was, you know, three consecutive years. Uh, so, you know, we battled back from that 18, I was a free agent all year. So, you know, that kind of messed with me mentally again, you know, I got to the point where it's like, okay, where's that fine line of what's next for me, you know? So I kept going, kept grinding, you know, nine, uh, 19 comes around tricep hall of fame game, you know, with Denver, you know, and so it's just always been a constant battle, you know, always battling demons and, and stuff like that. But it's, it always, you know, I always reflect back on just my perseverance and my, you know, dealing with adversity, you know, everyone's going to deal with it. It's, it's how you go about it and how you, you know, overcome those things that really define who you are as a character. That's kind of funny, Billy, 2020 was sort of your year then with no preseason worked out, worked out. Yeah, all right. it, was, <laughs> yeah it was perfect. I couldn't, I could have asked for a better, a better situation to walk into uh, just being familiar with Petten and Christian and all these guys, you know, and working with Dean and how down to earth he is and Kenny, you know, I little, you know, quite a bit about Kenny. I lived down the street from his mom in Rancho Cucamonga. Yep. Yeah. I'm pretty familiar with Kenny. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was a great situation. You know, didn't have a training camp, didn't have OTAs, didn't have to worry about injuries. You know, I came in, I get to just work, grind, repeat. Interesting, Mike. Uh, just a, a, a hell of a way to go from point A to point B, you know? <laughs> How can you not pull for a guy like that, like Billy Wynn? That's right. what Mike Patton said. Yeah, I was going to be an no assistant athletic director somewhere at some D3 school. Right. That's uh, that's a fantastic story, and that's a reason you can root for a guy like that. Let's do this. We'll step away, take a quick break. We'll come back more getting ready for the Packers and the Vikings, and then we'll start to take a look around the rest of the National Football League. Doug Russell alongside Mike Clemens is here. It's the uh, Bill Michael Suttle brought to you by Bud Light Seltzer. Unquestionably good. we got more right after this. Sports Talk Network. In 49 other states, football is just a game. But this is Wisconsin. The Green Bay Packers have won the Super Bowl. The Lombardi Trophy is coming home. Wisconsin fans demand the best. The best analysis, the best interviews, the best coverage, and no one delivers like the Bill Michaels Huddle. Matt LaFleur and his Green Bay Packers looking to go 9-0 in the division since taking over as the head coach of the Green Bay Packers. They got the wow. Minnesota Vikings Calling uh, this Sunday at Lambeau Field. It's a noon kickoff. Welcome to the Bill Michaels Huddle, brought to you by our friends at Bud Light Seltzer. Unquestionably good. Uh, the voice you hear there, Mike Clemens, our Green and Gold Insider, and also Doug Russell alongside. And, Mike, I'll, uh, just for the fact that you, you, you made the comment, I'll, I'll go to you first. Did 
when I had mentioned before, you know, Mike Zimmer is a guy that uh, continues to trudge forward, and they were hoping he would get them to a Super Bowl. He's not been able to do so. In the meantime, you've got Matt LaFleur, who goes to an NFC Championship game his first year. He is undefeated in the division and looking to remain undefeated. He's doing things, at least with his team and his offense and his philosophy, that no other – we thought Mike McCarthy set some records and did some things really, really well early on. And Matt LaFleur is making it look almost easy at this point. Well, according to the national guys, uh, you're supposed to be holding up your second Super Bowl trophy in Chicago now that you dropped ninety million dollars on Cleo Mack. So right. I, I don't, <laughs> you know, yeah. How how did that work out? You know, and and everything that Ziggy Wolf, God bless him, is he's put it up the stadium. He's built them a brand new state of the art facility out there in Eden in the in the suburbs. He's bringing in the free agents. They spent eighty five million on. Kirk Cousins for a three-year deal. They just signed the running back. How much more does this guy have to spend to get to have his team the sure thing in the NFC North? Matt Patricia, you know, coming from the Patriots, was supposed to turn. I'll tell you what, right now, though, the Lions are the team I'm starting to keep an eye on. The Lions are the team that, that could get a little dangerous because they're the one that have got some fight in them. Uh, and the, the way they and finished that game the other day, uh, in Atlanta, that's one team I'm keeping an eye on. I and, and the Bears, you know, Nick Foles will eventually figure this out, I think. But man, does that guy like to throw into coverage? He did it again the other night against the Rams. Unbelievable. Uh, yeah. but that's how that's how he got the job when he came in and filled in for Trubisky and won that game over the Falcons. But I mean, his throws just his confidence in his teardrop, you know, deep ball is a little out of whack. And Allen Robinson, by the way is going through concussion protocol, so I don't know if he's going to be able to play this week. Yeah, Doug, uh, he mentioned the the Lions. Look, the Lions got barely beat by the Bears in week one. They got beat by the Packers pretty handily in week two. Uh, but they knocked off a really good, what I thought is a pesky Cardinals team. They fell to the Saints, but they fell to the Saints by six. They beat the Jaguars. They beat the Falcons. They barely held on to beat the Falcons, but they beat the Falcons nonetheless. They got a tough Colts team coming up. If they beat the Colts, and go to four and three, suddenly are we looking over the fence and thinking to ourselves that this Lions team now is for real? I think that they're improving. I don't know if they're for real. Um, I, You know, look, they beat the Cardinals by a field goal, and I think I agree with your assessment on Arizona. I think especially with the way that they were able to come back uh, against the Seahawks, pretty remarkable, and they've got a really good young team. DeAndre Hopkins has really been the guy that is – you know, going to be that next great wide receiver in the desert. Now that I think Larry Fitzgerald's career is going to end after this season, but Kyler Murray is certainly uh, an, a star that's on the rise. But we've been waiting for this from Matthew Stafford seemingly forever since he got into the league. This is what his tenth or eleventh season in the NFL, and he's been saddled with some bad head coaches. I don't think Matt Patricia is a great head coach. I don't think he's a great tactician uh, by any stretch of the imagination. He does, obviously, as you mentioned, come from the Belichick tree, but there is some fight. You're right. There's some grit there, and that's one of the things about Matthew Stafford as well. You, you can say all you want about his contract. You can call him a pretty boy. You can call him whatever you want. He's just a good old hoss from from University of Georgia who's tough as nails but has just been saddled with bad players, mostly as teammates. So this, this is a team that, uh, you know, they put up a fight, like you said, against the Saints. Um, they, they beat the Falcons by one, and the Falcons are atrocious. I'm, I'm going to take a wait-and-see approach uh, on this team because their schedule coming up doesn't look all that difficult. But I would definitely keep an eye on the Detroit Lions this season, especially as I think 
what's going to happen in Chicago in, in Chicago is that team's just going to continue to recede during the season. I get that all the time too. I can relate. I get that pretty boy handle all the time. So <laughs> I, I, I know what he's talking about. Yes. Um, yes. Mike, uh, I, I want to go back to, to Aaron Rodgers this week. Um, last week, it was obvious that uh, there, I don't want to say contentious, but it, it certainly seemed like he was very short with the media. We'll put it that way. Then he says, well, the questions weren't very good. Then he says uh, this week, it seems like, you know, things are, are relatively okay, I guess is the best way to put it. But that being said, um, we had talked about it going into the season. He seems like he's in a really, really, really good place. Like even the draft, everybody expected a draft of drafting a Jordan Love to be like sitting on his shoulders, this big chip or something. It seems like he's just right with the world right now. No one's harder. No one's on, on himself. No one is more of a perfectionist trying to get more out of himself every day, every year than Aaron Rodgers. The team drafts Jordan Love and he turns around and says, okay, how, what's my move? It's your move, Aaron Rodgers. And so he takes it to a next level about, and maybe he gets this from Favre. Maybe he, maybe he's had an honest sit down with a couple of other guys and said, you know, you need to enjoy this process rather than be the perfectionist and grumpy and think that, you know, that anger or calling guys out at your locker room in front of 40 people in the media and saying, well, so-and-so is not very consistent or they need to study more, et cetera. Maybe you just need to relax because, you know, if you want, you're the quarterback, you're the man, everybody knows who you are. And if you come into the locker room a little angry, um, that's going to set off the wrong vibe in that locker room. If you come in and say, Hey, we're going to have fun. We're confident. we got a swagger here. And he's, I mean, he's using words like love and positivity. When he comes right. back, he's he's calling everybody in the media by their first name, like, oh, okay, and, and, and he's a good guy, but he's he's he he thinks about every move he makes in life, what he puts in his body, how he's going to spend the next ten minutes, what movie he's going to see, what film he's going to see, how can that improve Aaron Rodgers, and then we got to the buy, and I think this COVID thing is getting to people. It's it's getting to all of us from a standpoint of. You get up, you go to work, and you go straight back home, and there's nothing else to do. And so the bye week, he got a little bit grumpy. And that's and maybe he doesn't think that – maybe maybe he's like, why isn't his team getting the spotlight? Okay, fine, let us fly into the radar. And then he gets out there in front of Tom Brady. And I'm telling you, at the start of that game, I'm down there in that stadium. I'm like, what is what the happy feet with this guy? I mean, everything else is running okay. The timing is there. You know, the, the offensive linemen are getting a hat on guys. But Rodgers seemed nervous, like like they were coming after him, like something was wrong. And it started setting things off. And then the next thing you know, he's not planting his foot, and he throws that ball in the flats. And, that you know, the, the Dean kid takes it back for a pick six. And then the ball bounces again, and he gets a second pick. And then they can't dig themselves out of a hole. And this is something that goes on Matt LaFleur and on Aaron Rodgers and Zadarius Smith as your defensive leader and Mike Pettin. They have to look at that Bucks tape over and over again to say, where could we not figure out how to change the momentum in this game? How, why couldn't we flip it in the game? In the meantime, Tom Brady, he's three and out, three and out at the start of that game. And the Packers are up 10 to nothing cool as a cucumber and not the not the new england patriot yelling at his at his teammates guy or the guy who's yelling at his teammates at soldier field on that thursday night game against the bears taking it easy as a matter of fact his running back even told us 
Rojo. He said, well, you know, I asked him, what did Brady say in the huddle? He said, just hang on. It's going to be okay. You know, we have plenty of time here. End of the first quarter. We only had the ball once or twice. We'll figure this out. And Tom Brady kept his patience, found his groove, went like 13 for 14 passes, and won the football game. And Aaron Rodgers and LaFleur, I was thinking like LaFleur, hey, here's the game where you run a fake punt. You know, something, mm-hmm. something to flip that game and see if you can change the momentum. They didn't, and they're going to need to, need to figure out where that card is in their hand as they get into these tougher games later this season. Yeah, it makes me want. It makes me wonder. I'm sorry to, to jump in, but no, uh, okay. Mike, to your point, it makes me wonder how much Rodgers measures himself against Brady because there's a few things that we know about Aaron Rodgers. He's a very sensitive guy. He he worries. I don't know. Worries is the right word, but he's certainly aware of his legacy. And he's aware of every statistic. I mean, he, he can talk a good game all he wants about, you know, what happened in 2005 by sliding all the way to number 24. That still bothers him to this day. And I will never be convinced that it doesn't as much as he said, oh, that's ancient history. That was 15 years ago. I do wonder, because specifically it was Rodgers Brady, that was the hype, even though they don't play on the same field at the same time together, obviously. But still, that was the narrative leading up to the game. It was the the two best 12s of all time, or at least the two best 12s of the last 25 years going up against each other. I wonder how much that got to him. Doug, you and I have been friends 15 years. There's one job. There's one chair in the musical chairs game. You get the chair? I'm telling you, I'm going to be ticked off. <laughs> I'm going to be ticked off. It's the competitors, me. It's, it's woe is me. How come I can't do that? And oh, by the way, everybody's watching. That too. Let's do. Yes. Let's do this. We'll go ahead and take a quick break. We'll come back. We'll pick up where we left off with that discussion. We'll talk more about the Packers' ability to come from behind. They've only had to do it once this year, really. When you're talking about that Tampa Bay game, they have been down a score, uh, but they have not been down by that much. We'll talk about that and that ability coming back. It's the Bill Michaels Huddle. It's brought to you by our friends at Bud Light Seltzer. After the bottom of the hour, we're going to start to make our picks for the remainder of the NFL schedule as well. We got a lot more coming up right after this. 16 stations strong. The Bill Michaels Sports Talk Network. That communication we talked about a little bit last week. It's just the play call coming in, the understanding the play call, Aaron getting the play call to those guys, just the whole process speeding up. Because the more you can get up to the line and let Aaron have some time to adjust things or see things, it's going to make us more efficient also. So uh, it's just like a whole collaborative uh, deal there with just everybody understanding everything. Packers offensive coordinator Nathaniel Hackett talking about the Packers playing better when they get into that tempo. They get into that, as Aaron Rodgers has called it so many times, their good rhythm. Welcome back. It's the Bill Michaels Huddle. It's presented by Bud Light Seltzer. Unquestionably good. Mike Clemens alongside and Doug Russell here as well. And, uh, Doug, does this team, when if they get much like they did against Tampa Bay, because as you start to look towards better teams, especially towards the postseason, if they get down by a couple of scores, because we talk so much about the need for another wide receiver, they're very, very good about managing – a drive and about taking the ball down the field, but can they do it in that two-minute offense? Can they get come back from a couple of scores down and still be able to maintain that rhythm? I think so. I mean, that's been a hallmark of Aaron Rodgers' career. He's been pretty efficient in the two-minute uh, two-minute drill throughout the course of the 
Uh, I guess he's been in the NFL. This is his man, 16th season. Already, 16. So yeah, I know. He's been the starter for 13 years. So we've seen this before. I still think that he has the ability to do it. It goes back to, I think, what we were talking about in the first hour of the program, and that's health. Health of the wide receivers, health of the skill position players, health of the offensive line. Um, but as long as everybody's healthy, yes, I do have confidence in the offense's ability to come back, come from behind, and and you know have success in the two-minute drill. I do. Mike? I'd feel better if Aaron Jones is on the field. You know, if it's mm-hmm. Devontae and Aaron – and then Aaron Jones. Although, although, you know, we covered that game down at Arrowhead last year against the Chiefs, and that ball from Rodgers falling to his right in near the red zone and throws that arc to the back of the end zone, and somehow Jamal Williams says, oh, that's coming to me. And the circus catch that he makes for a touchdown in a tight ball game against a tough, well, a team that was going to go on to the, and win the Super Bowl that year. That's that's great to see Rodgers pull those kinds of plays off in this Matt LaFleur regime of coaches, uh, of this Goody roster, etc. But, uh, you know, here's the thing. If if this is a close game against the 49ers a week from tonight out there in Santa Clara, um, don't don't forget when it gets to two minutes, it's it's all Aaron Rodgers, baby. He's the one calling the plays. LaFleur is giving him that. That's the understanding. So it's all on Aaron to pull off that two-minute offense if he's got to get into field goal range or, you know, get the, the winning touchdown to, to win a ball game. Jamal Williams played really, really well last week, uh, and I thought both receiving and uh, not only in receiving and running the football, but also picking up some of the blitzes that were coming on and being able to protect Aaron Rodgers as well. Doug, uh, are they going to be able to keep Aaron Jones, keep Jamal Williams, still develop A.J. Dillon, or are we seeing the backfield just become almost every time they touch the ball, it's cha-ching, 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 and they're not going to be able to afford to keep them all together? Yeah, they picked A.J. Dillon in the second round for a reason, right? Uh, and I think that it was because they feel that their decision that they're going to have to make between Aaron Jones or David Bakhtiari contractually has already been made, or at least they had a pretty good idea how it was going to go when the season began, or at least during the offseason when Dillon was drafted. You don't draft a guy that high and not expect him to play. Now, I think that A.J. Dillon is still certainly fielding his way through his first season in the NFL, hasn't really been that effective as of yet. And part of that is because he hasn't needed to be that effective yet because of exactly what you're saying about Jamal Williams. Uh, Matt LaFleur this past week said it best when he said, we think of Jamal as a starter. We don't necessarily see a whole lot of difference between Jamal Williams and Aaron Jones. Those are nice words, but we all know who the feature back in the Packers offense is right now. And it's the guy with 20 touchdowns a year ago, but he's going to be due a big payday and you can't keep everybody. So the answer to your question is, can they keep Aaron Jones, Jamal Williams and continue to develop AJ Dillon? No. And I don't, I don't think they have any plans to do that once the season is over. Doug, give me your Bill, thoughts of what you've seen on AJ Dillon. Oh, well, he's, he's a hard nosed runner. I don't think I've seen enough frankly, even in practice or in the games to see if he's going to be one of these out-of-the-backfield receiving targets like uh, Aaron Jones has become, like Jamal Williams has become. There's certainly the potential there. He only had a, like 20 passes thrown to him in his time as Boston College, but he's just getting started. And, you know, there's, his, there's time for him to grow for this season. The thing about Jamal Williams was, when the Packers season was over with last January and they lost the 49ers, he's having his exit interview with Nathaniel Hackett, who hands him the card of here's your goals, uh, things you got to work on. And at the top of the list was 
catching balls out of the backfield because that's a part of the playbook they really couldn't get to in their first year as they're just trying to get everybody on the same page for the run game, the traditional pass game, the mashup game between the McCarthy kinds of routes versus the LaFleur kinds of routes. They didn't run that motion in the backfield as much as, as I'd hoped, you know, that I saw in the OTAs and the training camp in 2019. And Jamal, and then they, you know, the Green Bay Packers select A.J. Dillon out of Boston College with their second-round pick. Well, you know, Jamal Williams goes out and buys a jugs machine, and it's catching 100 passes a day. And then there's this story where he said, he even went so deep, he was studying the videos of cheetahs chasing gazelles to improve <laughs> his route That doesn't surprise running. me at all, knowing Jamal Williams. That's <laughs> he, the least surprising thing I've ever yeah, heard, Mike. I, he told us this in, in an interview, and, and, and like <laughs> I, we think he's joking around because he tells a lot of jokes and he dances and stuff. But no, seriously, he was in our Arizona. He was running hills with snakes in 118-degree heat. His body fat dropped from 17 to 7. And in one of those production meetings, the network guys said that when they sat down and they talked to LaFleur and Hackett, they said, well, you know, what's one of some of the guys you're excited about? Who's who's some of the guys that came in, you know, with a new level of attitude? Both of them said, blurted out, Jamal Williams. Different guy. I mean, totally dedicated. And that's why you see the season he's having. So whether or not Goody's thinking twice about, oh, man. I can't let this guy go too. Uh, or, you know, Jamal is playing for his next job. He has done everything he can uh, to, to make that case. And, um, you know, and here's the other thing. I remember when he when he was drafted, he was drafted ahead of Aaron Jones. And he came in like, I like to hit people. I like contact. Well, he changed that too. I mean, he, he figured out that if I, well, if I want to play in this league and get that second contract, I got to start avoiding these people instead of hitting them, and he's doing a better job as that at that as well. Let's and after this season, we'll who's going Go to ahead. be least less expensive? I think it'll be Williams as opposed to Jones, and that's what makes Williams that's that much more valuable to the to the Packers because Aaron Jones will demand and should get and and has earned a big payday from someone. He's just such a good receiver out of the backfield, and he's worked so hard on his game when it comes to picking up blitzes and blocking. I man, it's it's tough to watch that kind of commodity walk out the door. And it's sad if you're a Packers fan to see a guy that works his tail off, gets to the point where now he's really good, and only to see the Packers develop him and then watch him walk away. Yeah, you and know? in terms, of, in terms yeah. of body type, Jamal and, uh, you know, A.J. Dillon, they're pretty much the same. That's why you'd like to have that Aaron Jones as the scat back and then A.J. Dillon is your power guy, you know, when it's – first and goal at the one-yard line. And I think that's what the package is moving forward. Let's do this. We'll step away, take a quick break. We'll come back, start taking a look around the rest of the uh, National Football League. Some breaking news, though. Clemson quarterback Trevor Lawrence has tested positive for COVID, and the number one-ranked Tigers are slated to face Boston College this weekend. And then after that, Notre Dame. But he has tested positive. And uh, so that's just some breaking news in the Bill Michael Sports Talk Network, brought to you by our friends at Pennzoil. Pennzoil, uh, they're made with natural gas, and the proof is in the Pennzoil. Step away. we got more of the Bill Michael Huddle coming up right after this. Everywhere in Wisconsin, the Bill Michaels Sports Talk Network. Duke Johnson at the backfield. Off the fake to Johnson. Watson is wrapped up and sacked 
Back at the 31-yard line to Darius Smith. You know the guys on the back end, man, it's hand in hand. When we're trying to get out to the quarterback, man, it comes with coverage. And when we're rattling the quarterback, uh, it comes with picks. So we all play as one man uh, to try to be dominant in the pass game. But like I said, man, we got to continue to work on that run game and tackling them. Something that they're going to have to do with Dalvin Cook coming to town this weekend as the Packers are set to take on the Minnesota Vikings, a noon kickoff at Lambeau Field without fans again this week. And uh, hopefully they get in there sometime soon, but uh, just in the state of Wisconsin, doesn't look like it's going to happen anytime soon. I'm Bill Michaels. It's the Bill Michaels Huddle. Mike Clemens alongside. Doug Russell is here. Start taking a look around the rest of the National Football League. The Falcons get on the board quickly against the Carolina Panthers tonight in Thursday night football. The Panthers 3-4, and four, the Falcons 1-6. and six. Uh, for whatever reason, I like the Falcons in this one. I don't know why. It's just a gut feeling. They've figured out ways to lose pretty much all season long. But I'm actually going to, even though they're up three, I'm not going to just bank that. But I'm going I'm to take the Falcons in this one. Doug, I'll go over to you. Yeah, I still think Carolina's got some fight left in them for the rest of this game. I love Matt Rule as a coach. I think he's got that team at least rowing in the right direction. And I know the coaching change in Atlanta has, or at least for a week, it buoyed them. But we talked about Trevor Lawrence potentially uh, going um, earlier in the show to Minnesota. I think Atlanta might be ready to move on from Matt Ryan, and they are at least thinking about that on some level, especially after the coaching change. I still like Carolina to come back in this one. Mike? No, McCa- no McCaffrey to help out there in the running in the backfield for the Panthers. I'll take Matt Ryan and the Falcons to hang on and win this one, Bill. Got a good one coming up in what is now the new black and blue division. An old rivalry renewed as you got the Steelers six and zero on the road taking on the five and one Baltimore Ravens. And I, you know what? I, I just think right now things are flowing really well. I think Mike Tomlin's a hell of a coach. Ben Roethlisberger completely healthy. That defense is doing enough to get wins. I'm going to take the Steelers in a road upset to knock off the, uh, the the Ravens. If you want to call it an upset to knock off the Ravens in this one, Mike, I'll go back to you. And James Conner looks good in the backfield behind Big Ben, and you got Claypool and those young receivers. I think the Steelers can uh, outscore the Ravens and beat them by a couple points, uh, even even though this game's going to be in Baltimore. Doug? Yeah, I like Baltimore in this one, actually. It's one of those balance of power games in the AFC North. I know Pittsburgh comes in 6-0. and I think they're great. They're certainly a legitimate contender, but then again, so are the Ravens. Um, some are accusing Baltimore of not being very good because they haven't played anyone yet. They did beat Cleveland, but you look at their other wins, Houston, Washington, Cincinnati, and Philly. They did lose to Kansas City. So they're not beating the best of the best, but I still like Baltimore in this one at home. You got to get over the schneid if you're going to, you know, kind of claim the, uh, the the best of the AFC East, and that is going to be the uh, tough task for the Buffalo Bills. Is the Buffalo Bills have to beat the New England Patriots, who already just have been drilled a couple of times. Cam Newton looks bad. He was benched last week. He even says that he knows his job's in jeopardy. But the Bills are at home. I'm going to take the Bills and the Patriots go to two and five. Dare I say it, Doug? Over to you. Yeah, I think the changing of the guard is here, and I think that the the first big salvo dropped when Tom Brady left New England to go to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I don't know how much longer Bill Belichick is going to coach, but I don't think he's got a team that's going to get any better anytime soon. As you mentioned, Cam was terrible against San Francisco last week. The Patriots' defense just isn't very good. I love Josh Allen and what he's been doing in Buffalo. I like the Bills in this one. Mike, I was at I was at this combine a couple years ago, and there's all there's this great class of quarterbacks, and Baker Mayfield and his swagger you know during the press conference and this josh rosen about you know yeah if i drop teams are going to pay for it where is he now by the way and mm-hmm. then there's this then there's this six foot six kid 
that reminded me of a tall Brett Favre who kept, constantly talked about team, 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 and then without lifting his feet, launched the ball 75 yards down the field during the throwing drills at Lucas, L, and, at Lucas Oil, and that's Josh Allen. I'm a big fan of that kid. Sean McDermott is 0-6 against Bill Belichick, and Cam Newton, to me, this guy hasn't looked the same since he had the COVID. I'm taking the Bills over the Patriots in this one. By the way, the game between the Steelers and the Ravens not wasn't supposed to originally happen. This should have been the bye week for those two teams, but because right. of COVID and the rescheduling, these two teams are now on the docket to play one another, just uh, just an FYI. In the meantime, you got the Titans who uh, come off of a loss of 5-1 and one on the season. They got the Cincinnati Bengals who are 1-5-1, one, and, one. And, and while Joe Burrow has looked good, they have started the fire sale. Dunlap goes out to uh, Seattle and, and becomes uh, an anchor defensively out there for them. Their defense is an absolute sieve. There's no way they're stopping the run game of the Titans. Uh, I'm going to take the Titans to go to 6-1. and one. Mike? Uh, yeah, and, and this is in Cincinnati, right, at Paul Brown? Yes, yes. Yeah. No, I Burrow's, look, I think he looks great. I think he looks great. Uh, but, no, I'm going to take the Titans. I mean, that's a playoff team. I think Mike Vrabel's a, a great coach. I'll take the Titans by at least a touchdown. Doug? Yeah, I think this game is going to be a clunker. I know that you're hometown team, Bill, but I'm sorry. Cincinnati is just not good right <laughs> now. I love suck. Joe Burrow. He's, he's a great young quarterback, but, you know, there's still 10 other guys out there on offense and 11 guys on defense that are just going to get pummeled by the Titans. I, uh, I said when I left there back in 1999, in March of 1999, <laughs> that uh, they will never win a Super Bowl as long as that idiot Mike Brown owns the team. And he has done nothing but make me look like a freaking genius ever since I left that city. You are 22 of 22, sir. Yes, sir, I am. Damn straight. Uh, let's get back to it. He serves as his own general manager as an idiot, and we've got two of them in the NFL. It just, absolutely. Uh, the Browns sitting at 5-2, and two, hosting the 3-3 three and three Raiders. Uh, I just... I really like the Raiders. I, there's some kind of magic in that old silk hat they found. The Browns have gotten some wins, although Odell Beckham Jr. Uh, done. Done. Uh, I, I'm going to say the Raiders get the win in this one, but uh, it's not going to be a runaway. Mike? Uh, this game is in Cleveland, too, but, no, I, I think Derek Carr and those guys can do it. Uh, Miles Garrett needs a little more help on defensive line for the Browns. I say Raiders by, by at least a field goal. Doug? Uh, as much as I love you dropping in Frosty the Snowman lyrics uh, when you're picking this game, <laughs> I still like Cleveland in this one. I know it's west to east. Uh, it's an early start for Las Vegas, so I think that's going to hurt them. Baker Mayfield I thought was great against the Bengals. The Raiders got pummeled by the Buccaneers. Both defenses are pretty bad, so I think there's going to be a lot of points that are be going to be scored uh, in Cleveland on the shores of Lake Erie. But at the end of the day, I think the Browns are going to take it. An interesting game where the Lions, we had mentioned this earlier, they take on the Colts. The Colts at 4-2, and two, and they got a lot of people believing. Uh, even though Phillip Rivers has not played great, his arm looks raggedy, but uh, they're winning football games. And the Lions have climbed back to 503-3. and three. This is in Detroit. Uh, I am going to take the Lions. I know it's probably it, it all. Anytime I start to go with the Lions, it, my head tells me, what the hell are you doing? But I think I'm going to go with the Lions in this one. I'm going to pick the Lions to get the win. Doug, back to you. That's how I am with the Bears. Every time I start to believe, I start to believe, you suck me in, and then, well, I've never been a Bears fan, so it's not like you're devastating me or anything, but they just show who they are. It's a little bit the same with Detroit, although, you know, 
they're starting to stop the run. They just added Everson Griffin. We haven't seen a big game for Matthew Stafford yet. I like Detroit in this game as well. I think they're going to move to four and three against Indianapolis. Mike? I think uh, the when I watch the Colts, I can't get over how good their defense is. And I'm a big fan of Frank Reich, their head coach. He was, you know, former Bills quarterback, Giants quarterback. Um, he's a... Um, you know, and he was an offensive coordinator there with Doug Peterson, with Nick Foles when they won the Super Bowl. Uh, Philip Rivers is Phil is still Phil, you know, making the mistakes. Uh, but you know what? I'm going to go with my boy Daryl Bevel and Matt Stafford to figure out a way to get past that Colts defense at the end of the game. And I say the Lions win this one at home over Indy. And then you've got a game that really they should just call it a day and let the Chiefs get a win. Uh, they're six and one, and they're playing at home at Arrowhead. And then you've got the Jets, who just are absolutely horrific. Uh, I they don't even belong in the same field with the Chiefs. But again, any given Sunday, then you know, okay, yada yada. The Chiefs are going to win this one, probably going away. Mike, I'll go back over to you. Any given Sunday, Bill. Any given Sunday. Yeah, the Chiefs win. Yeah. Are you kidding me? Yeah. 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 Chiefs. Have you seen the spread in this one? No. It's nineteen. It, it, I'm thinking the buffet that Andy, I'm thinking the burger buffet that Andy Reid has before this game is the spread. That's that's what it is. I have never. I look. We've all been watching NFL football for our entire lives. I have never, and and I I haven't done any research on this or anything, but I have never seen that I can recall a point spread of 19 points no. in an NFL game in my life. How is Adam Gase still employed? That's what I don't understand. Le'Veon Bell is going up against his former team. I think that he's going to just run rough shot over the Jets, if for nothing else, spite. Um, yeah, wh- why are they playing this game? I, It escapes me. I have no idea. But not only do I think Kansas City's going to win, I think they're going to cover that 19. Does, does Le'Veon Bell even have anything in the tank? Doesn't matter. He's going up against the Jets, and he's motivated this week because he's going up against the Jets. Do, does he have anything left in the tank against a legitimate NFL football team? Hell no. But no. He, he might have something against his former team this week. There you go. Well, let's do this. So we'll take a break. We'll come back. The rest of the docket, including the Green Bay Packers hosting the Minnesota Vikings, as we take a look around the rest of the NFL in this portion of the program, as always, brought to you by our good friends at Bud Light Seltzer. Unquestionably good. Only 100 calories yeah, that Bud Light Seltzer have. No lingering after aftertaste. Cranberry, grapefruit, pineapple, strawberry flavors as well. Go to BudLight.com. Mike Clemens, Doug Russell, I'm Bill Michaels. we got a lot more coming up right after this. Wisconsin-wide, the Bill Michaels Sports Talk Network. It's surprising that these, the running backs can run the routes that, that they're able to run, uh, you know, out and ups with stops on them. They run, uh, you know, wheels out of the backfield that catches the ball well to go outside and catch the ball like a wide receiver on, on slants and goals. And it looks like Rodgers has a, a really good belief in, in these guys when they go out there and catch the ball in space. But, you know, he puts the ball in such great places for them. And I, I don't want to disrespect any other quarterbacks, but this guy's the best in, the best in the business. Welcome back. Those are the words of Mike Zimmer. We do have some breaking news out of the world of baseball, obviously, with uh, Ryan Braun being uh, declined the $15 million option. They got five days, but uh, there's some talk as to whether or not he's even going to retire. So 
Uh, we've got uh, some Ryan Braun discussion eventually out there. His contract included, included a $4 million buyout if it, the option was not picked up. So uh, just uh, there you go. wanted to let you know that uh, that is out there. Uh, in the meantime, we continue on. Mike Clemens, Doug Russell alongside. I'm Bill Michaels. And uh, wanted to get back into the picks for this coming weekend. A good game. The Ram- I didn't think I'd say this about this game, but the Dolphins are at home. They're sitting at 503 and three. The Rams are coming off of the uh, the beating that they just gave the Chicago Bears, and their defense is just rolling right now. And Goff looks good. Uh, I it's it's a it's a tough West Coast to East Coast trip, but I'm going to take the Rams in this one. Mike, over to you. Uh, the Rams and the Dolphins. That's this game you're talking about. Yes. So. Um... And they they benched Fitz uh, Fitzpatrick, right? And yep. this is going to be yep. Tua Tungavola. Tua's, yep. He's he's going to play, yeah. Um, no, yeah. I I thought Rams looked good the other night, and um, I'll, I'll t- I, you know the Dolphins are competitive. I'll take the Rams over the Dolphins. Doug, yeah. On the surface, if this was a game that both teams would be playing, I mean, I guess everything's a neutral field at this point because of COVID. But if the Rams weren't going East Coast to West Coast, especially after they played the Monday night game, you would just easily say that this is going to be a Rams walkover. And I still think the Rams are going to win. Um, I think for Tua Tagovailoa, his story is great. Uh, He's now the starting quarterback. I just don't think that this is necessarily a position for him this week that's going to be advantageous to him. Again, on the surface, the Rams are the better team, so I'm just going to go ahead and pick talent, and I'm going to say the Rams are going to win this game. Then you got a battle between two two and four teams. Uh, Herbert and company and the Chargers, they go on the road to mile high, taking on the Denver Broncos. The Broncos just don't impress me as having damn near anything. It, it's just even though Herbert has been exciting and the Chargers have been competitive, I'm going to take the Chargers in this one just because I feel that there's more upside to this team, and it seems like the Broncos are just stuck in a quagmire of just – bad quarterback play they've had defenders that have either gotten hurt or they've gotten rid of it, it just seems like right now things are just it seems like they gave sold their soul to the devil with with john elway to get that uh, championship with with uh, the final one with peyton manning and since then it's just been uh, an utter train wreck so i'm going to take the chargers in this one doug yeah, Super Bowl 32 notwithstanding, I don't have any hate in my heart for the Denver Broncos. Uh, my favorite uncle is a huge Denver Broncos fan, and I like to see him happy, but his team just sucks out loud right now. Justin Herbert's playing really well for the Chargers. I, I don't think that Drew Locke is going to do anything against the Bolts defense. I like the Chargers in this one. Yeah, I'm, I'm so impressed with Justin Herbert. I don't know. I, I, I still think Vic Fangio's going to figure something out, and Mile High is a tough place to play. If it's your first time, plus there wasn't a report that somebody on the charges tested positive for COVID-19. I didn't, I didn't hear it. I mm. thought I saw something on that. Um, I'm going to go chargers. I, I'll take the chargers. Uh, then you've got the four and two saints on the road coming into Chicago where the bears coming off of that beating to the Rams are uh, going to host a uh, drew Brees and company. Uh, I'm, I'm going to take the Saints in this one. I think the Bears were a little bit exposed. Their offense is nowhere what they thought it was. And I'll tell you what, as long as you continue to rely on Matt Nagy being the smartest guy in the room, you know, if you take him to Vegas, he's going to lose all your money. So I'm going to take the Saints in this one against the Bears. Mike? Allen Robinson, uh, Nick Foles' best target, is going through the concussion protocol. I'm taking Sean Payton and Drew Brees over the Bears. Doug? 
Yeah, Bill, I think you stole my notes. I think the Bears are a bunch of frauds, and I actually bought into it, so bad on me. Matt Nagy has shown time and time again that he is a terrible coach who plays to his strengths rather than to the strengths of his players, specifically a quarterback. All of their wins have been by single digits. Last week, they got clobbered by two touchdowns by the Rams. It's also a short week after their Monday night game at L.A. We just talked about how it will affect the Rams. Um and I think it will a little bit, but I also think that it's going to adversely affect the Bears as well. Drew Brees starting to find the groove. Alvin Kamara, you just cannot contain him right now. I like New Orleans, and I think it's going to be a blowout. Nick, Nick Foles tells Brian Greasy in the production meeting before the broadcast ESPN, yeah, you know, sometimes Matt's plays are too long. I mean, we hear Lafleur talk about this. Right. So he, he doesn't give me enough time in the play clock, so I have to change the play because there isn't time to run that play. And then they asked Nicky about it after the game. He goes, uh, I don't really think about that. You're gonna you're gonna have to ask Nick about that. I mean, I, you know how stupid do these? Yeah, they look did, like? and that was the answer, and that goes to show everything that you need to know about Matt Nagy as a play yeah. caller. And they're yep. blaming it on Brian Greasy. I I've seen these guys, man. These Troy Aikman, these guys, they bring legal pads. They take notes. They you know they're like stenographers. They want to be accurate with this stuff. Nick Foles said that to these guys. Yep. Uh, I, <laughs> it is the soap opera that is a Chicago Bear football, and I just love watching it from above. I, so I just, I. I'm happy with it. Oh, uh, yeah. A couple of minutes to go in the program, so we'll go through these quick, but a good game that I'm looking forward to. The 49ers at 4-3 and three on the road against the 5-1 and one Seattle Seahawks. Uh, I'm taking Seattle at home, but uh, it's more so just because. Uh, Mike, back to you. I'll take uh, Kyle Shanahan, the 49ers. Doug? Yeah, there's no bad teams in the NFC West. I like Seattle in this one, I think, for your same reason, Bill, just because I think it's going to be a great ball game. Sunday night is a craptastic performance. You've got the Cowboys, 2-5, 2-4-1 two two, Eagles going at it. Uh, I'm going I'm to take the Eagles at home just because the misery continues down in Dallas. It just it just is, and it's, it's, it's just terrible to watch, I guess. It's like watching a train wreck. Uh, Doug, back to you. I feel bad for Mike McCarthy, and I'm going to feel even worse after he gets pummeled at Philadelphia. And that's, look, Philadelphia sucks too, but yeah, it's just, it'll be a bad football game, but the Eagles are going to win it. When Mike? you cover a Cowboys game, when you cover a Cowboys game, Jerry Jones has got the brisket out there in the press box. When you go into the lobby there at the Star in Frisco, where their new offices are, like right next to the coffee kiosk is brisket on a stick. I mean, brisket is everywhere. So they got this Don Tari Poe, this defensive lineman that they cut, and Jerry says, well, he's 30 pounds overweight, and he's not following up on other issues. And hey, The guy weighed like 347. There's brisket everywhere. Jerry only has himself to blame. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Mike has put on at least 20 pounds since he's been down there. Right? Yeah, but at least he's getting a workout with pillow fights at Jerry's house. <laughs> I'll, take, I'll take Carson Wentz and the Eagles. Uh, the Buccaneers on the road on Monday night, 5-2, and two, taking on the 1-6 and six New York Giants. I'm going to take uh, Tom Brady and company hands down. Doug? Yeah, that's an easy one. Tampa Bay's a good team. The Giants, they're just, they suck. So, yeah, we'll go with the Buccaneers. Mike? Oh, the Buccaneers, Buccaneers 100%. Uh, then you got the Vikings at Lambeau Field on Sunday. I'm going to take the Packers, but do the Packers score over 30? I'm going to say 35-17. The Packers get a win, even though out of the last 36 games played between these two teams, 23 of them have been decided by seven or less. I'm going to take the Packers in an easy one. Mike? 40-mile-an-hour wins. Aaron Rodgers has said it over and over again. It's the rain that's tough. The win he can deal with. And they're three corners, man. They're like you know 50-50 at practice. Aaron Rodgers finds a way to get to Devontae and to Jamal Williams. Packers beat the Vikings. Doug? 
Yeah, I think the Packers are going to win this game. I think it's going to be a little bit closer. There's going to be a lot of scoring, but I'll say 35-28. I do think that Minnesota is going to put up some points. They'll have some pride. Still have some question marks about the Packers' defense, but they'll do enough to win the game. Mike Clemens, Doug Russell, I'm Bill Michaels. Good stuff, guys. Appreciate it. Thank you, boys. As always, there you go. That's the Bill Michaels Huddle, the fastest two hours in all of Sports Talk Radio. It's all uh, presented by Bud Light Seltzer. Unquestionably good, naturally carbonated, gluten-free, and includes no artificial flavors. Go to BudLight.com for all the info. Time for us to go. Have a go. Listening to the Bill Michaels Sports Talk Network. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit hyundaiusa.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news. You call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.